As true crimers, it is important that we understand the criminal justice system, the crime rates, and how they are changing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm Christy Brower here with my sister, co-host, and partner in all things crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? It's going pretty good. I, I somehow managed to sleep until after nine today. That's wow. Unheard of in this house. <laughs> it's so cold. Even the piggies didn't want to get up and have breakfast and go outside. Right. No one wants to be up in this. Oof. It was negative five when I got up. Yeah, we're hitting the sub-zeros, guys. That sucks, man. And I know, like, people in Wisconsin and Midwest are like, oh, fuck off, you know, because it's <laughs> way colder there. But we're just getting started. January is usually our worst month mm -hmm. for the super colds, and it's coming. You can sure feel it. Yeah. Well, yesterday, our older uh, Chihuahua, Rico, who's got these really long, skinny, tiny legs that gets really cold, went out to go potty, and then... Uh, couldn't come back in. He was too cold and sat in the snow and screamed and cried until one of my daughters ran out and saved him. Oh, no. Yeah. It's Poor that Rico. season. Yes. Yeah. Although he's going to protest loudly, he's going to have to just start wearing a sweater today. Yeah, he definitely. And probably. You guys, he, you can see Rico. <laughs> he is the funny. He looks like a baby kangaroo. He really like does. Those legs. He's mm -hmm. so funny and cute. Uh, but yeah, doesn't he occasionally like tip over in the snow and then he can't move? He just That's what he did. Yeah. Face. And screamed and bald till she ran and saved him. Yeah. <laughs> Poor little Rico. Just Last time tough. he did that, I ran out in my bare feet to save him. That's been a few years ago. I, I was hoping we were over that, but I guess yeah. not. <laughs> like, maybe no. <laughs> well, you have two of your college kids home and another one coming in a couple of days. Yeah. It's going to be a busy week at my house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody home and. Yeah, I have a lot that I need to them to help me. You know, I'm kind of at that age now that I'm like, oh, when the kids get home, maybe they can help us do that. You know, <laughs> they're probably like, God damn it. We just want to <laughs> lay on the couch. Like, <laughs> Oh, we do it. And, and, and my son lives with us. But we're mm -hmm. like, well, we'll take care of that when Mike gets home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, uh, we fed and clothed you and raised you as a child. <laughs> You, you are now obligated to help us with stuff that we can't do anymore. And, and you are by far stronger than we are at this point. So yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. we just need you to do stuff. Yeah. Yes, we do. Micah yes, kind of counts on it, our son. He'll always, he'll call me before it's even, he comes home and be like, mm -hmm. so what are you guys going to need me to help you with? You know? It's He's cute more... because he will help, he'll come help us. He'll go yeah. help our other sister, Kara. Like, mm -hmm. he, yeah, he's prepped for it, which I think is really cute. Yeah, but it's, it's cute or sad, right? That we've prepped him to know that when you come home, we will definitely need you to do things. But <laughs> I think it's cool that However, he thinks of it. He's also bringing his girlfriend home, which is the first mm -hmm. time we've had a, a, a significant other home for a holiday like this. And mm -hmm. we've never met her before. So we're super excited to get to meet her. And, uh, you know, I bought her quite a few Christmas gifts so that she'd have things to open on Christmas morning along with the rest of us. And I've never met her. So I, I hope I did well, but <laughs> it's going to be an interesting uh, holiday for us, I think. But yeah, it's yeah. exciting. It's going to be is. fun. That's cool. Very cool. 
Yeah. Well, this is the last Monday that we will have an episode in season three. Yeah. We're off all of next week. We're taking a week off. I can't believe we're about to start season four yeah. of this podcast. That is wild. Wild to me. It is. But it's real. It's true. Mm-hmm. And we this episode is, is, is a little different than what we normally do. But we wanted to, at the end of this year, talk about U.S. crime stats. Because we cover mostly United States cases, although mm-hmm. we do cover some foreign ones as well. Um, I don't mean foreign. That's a terrible word. I mean, like, international cases. Good Lord. There you go. Um, <laughs> Foreigners. Mother nation. However. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not that. That was very redneck of you. Good job. Um, <laughs> We are from Idaho. You know, I mean, it sneaks in every once in a while. And you're like, oh, my God, did I just say that? Uh, anyway, as true crimers, and, and I will say that uh, true crime has taken a real hit lately. Yeah. That we all are just, you know, romanticizing serial killers and, you know, all this stuff. And, and I, that in general, that is not true. That and spreading crime and misinformation and yes and doxing people and that yeah. has happened some mm-hmm. recently and we take a very different view of true crime we see ourselves as part of the solution not creating more problems and at least we, we want to yeah we want to be a source of education we want to be a source of support of communities and victims and vic- and their families and support of law enforcement um, and and also calling out law enforcement if they're not, you know, doing what they should be doing. Yeah. A big part of it is understanding the system, understanding as much as we can about crime. Why does it happen? How is it happening? Who is it happening to? Who is doing it? Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And we, we put a lot of emphasis on those parts of true crime and not yeah. so much on the sensational, sensationalizing of things. So I wanted to do a show about crime statistics in the U.S. What what does crime look like in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a really complicated question. Yeah. Honestly, it's a very complicated question. We have somewhere around, somewhere in the uh, 18,000, uh, police and sheriff's departments and, and state police in this country. So that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Trying to get crime stats from all of them is very hard. They don't all report. Getting accurate reporting. You get it from some, not from everyone. Yeah. And trying to get a feel for is crime worse or better? Why? What's happening with it? What's happening with it um, around race? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are a lot of questions. Um, and, and a big change happening in 2015, the FBI, who gathers um, crime stats for the entire country, said that they were changing their the way that they report crime. Mm-hmm. And so the way that they were going to receive crime stats. And that took effect at the beginning of, for the year of two, for crime stats for 2021 yeah and so we're not going to talk about the 2021 crime stats because they're not very accurate yeah because only about 65 percent of uh police agencies reported yeah that's nowhere near enough to really know so we're going to be talking um kind of 
what are the trends from from about 1990 to about to, to 2020 is what we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about today. It's going to take a little while for this new reporting system to kick in and for everybody to start being compliant with it. And until we get that, it it doesn't do as much good to yeah. study those stats because they don't really mean anything until we're getting a majority reporting. Yeah. And the problem with that is that it has created some false narrative uh, amongst uh, some news stations mm-hmm. about crime in the U.S. that has, mm-hmm. uh, you know, created some pretty hysterical reporting uh, mm-hmm. and a lack of transparency reporting when it comes to what these stats really look like and mean. Mm-hmm. And it, it so be careful if you're hearing, you know, various uh, things about crime just be careful that you take it all with a grain of salt when uh it, it when referring to uh you know crime rates in 2022 and 2021 because again it, they're they're pretty skewed at this they point are. and and you can go to your state's website also mm-hmm. states report their own crime web um reporting as well and we're going to share i'm going to share all my sources in the show notes so you'll be able to go and see where i got this information yeah because that's important. And I did get information from multiple sources because I also think that's important mm-hmm. that we're not just reporting from one place. But it is very complicated to just say, well, is crime up or down? Well, crime is down in general from about 1990 on. The mm-hmm. crime rate all in general, all of it. And you're talking about, you say crime. Well, what does that mean? You know, there's violent crime, there's murder, there's property crime, there's um, financial crime, you know, there's all these different crimes Yeah. that sexual assault, you know, that you really have to look at them individually, but in general, well, and missing persons that may or may mis- not be considered a crime. Right. Right. How are things reported as a crime? Yeah. What is considered a crime? But from about 1990, when things had gotten really bad, there was a lot of criminal justice reform that happened in the early 90s. And we've seen a pretty consistent fall in crime in general since then. Although starting in 2020, we've seen a bit of a bump. And now we have to take into account COVID-19 and what happened during lockdowns and how the pandemic has affected the crime rate because it is fairly significant. Oh yeah, We're going to get into all of that, but just know that the stats have a pretty significant plus or minus margin of error because not everybody reports and not everybody reports in the same way. And some things get inflated and some things get minimized. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest stats to really get a clear picture on is um, police use of excessive force. Mm-hmm. because it is heavily underreported. Do yeah. we really know what those rates are? No. Not at all. No. Mm-mm. Because they don't want to tell on themselves and they don't. So that is a tough one. We know from what we see publicly that it is still very much a problem. Mm-hmm. However, is it worse or better? Can't I'd say. We can't yeah. say for sure. I mean, I think you could look at a particular precinct and look at, you know, and maybe get a little bit better picture. But mm-hmm. in general, across the U.S., this is not something that we know. The very specific details like that, that is really hard information to get accurately. Mm-hmm. So know that all of this is to be taken with a grain of salt. 
consider mm -hmm. that there is a fairly significant plus or minus margin of error. And these are really more than anything trends so much, much more than they are specific numbers. Yeah. You can see if things are trending up and down. So let's first talk about the murder solve rate in the U.S. Mm. Because this is significant. The murder um, solve rate is currently, or the murder clearance rate, is at an all-time low. We are just above 50%. Yep. Uh, which is um, not good. Abysmal. <laughs> right. Abysmal. Now, one problem we have is that gun murders are rising, and that mm -hmm. is in part due to school shootings and other mass shootings have increased gun murder by 43%. That's yeah. a lot. The highest in figure fact, on I record believe is currently, yeah, I believe mm -hmm. currently the, uh, the leading cause of death for children is gun violence. It is. It is, which is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Now, we started recording, genuinely recording murder clearance rates in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. Well, what's on paper is that 90% of all homicides were cleared by the police in the 1960s. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> that is not true. That couldn't um, be true. Those no. are very, that those numbers are inflated hugely. It was a common thing for police departments to report publicly that they were, they were solving all of their murders. It was mm -hmm. meant to be, uh, to keep the public um, in a place of feeling safe and also just to make themselves look better. Uh, the, the murder clearance rate has continued to decline since the 1960s. But we had, there's quite a bit more accountability for reporting also, you know, we have the internet and so mm -hmm. no one reports a 90% clear clearance rate these days no. at all. But genuinely about half of the murders committed in the United States have gone unsolved. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of other things to be taken into account here with the murders, with the murder clearance rate. One is that um, maybe the suspect died. And so they considered that cleared. Uh -huh. It's very possible that that person did or did not commit the murder, but the main suspect may have died, whether yeah. it was in a shootout with the police or a, a suicide or something else. But um, if that was who their prime suspect was, that can you know be considered a cleared murder. There's also like our um, DNA for the win cases. You know, we prove it with DNA, but that person's already dead. Yeah. Or that person is in prison in another state for something else. Those are all considered cleared murders, too, even though there was no actual prosecution. Uh -huh. So we have to be a little bit careful with that. Uh -huh. um, as always with this with this data, you always have to be careful. Yeah. Um, but it does appear that we're seeing fewer and fewer murders clear every year. Yeah. And, um, you know, part of it is we really can't be sure about the old statistics. Uh -huh. Also, before Miranda, particularly, because, you know, people were arrested, charged and convicted frequently for things they did not commit. You know, they just right. found a handy person. And, and that did improve the rights of a lot of people. And so it is harder to convict someone. 
now mm-hmm. than it used to be. There's yeah. a higher expectation now. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is important because as much as when you see somebody commit a crime or that, you know, the news is saying committed the crime. Right. On any uh, given story on the Internet, you'll see mm-hmm. tons of comments from people that, you know, are just lock them up. Just throw away the key. We've seen this with the Daybell case a lot. People are like, we're tired of waiting. Just just lock these monsters up. Just give them the chair right now or whatever. Yeah. If yeah. that was you, if that was your family member, you would want all of their right, your rights to be preserved. You would want your family members' rights to be preserved. And Miranda helps to create rights for everyone for those rights to be preserved. It's really, really important that we honor those rights, that we pay attention to those rights, that we insist that those rights are defended in every single case. Right. For this very reason, because innocent people do get charged. Innocent people do go to prison. And, um, you know, do get executed. Yes. Yeah. And And innocent people do in our day and age get absolutely destroyed in the media because you know, of the perception that they have committed a crime. So things like the Miranda uh, rights are things that we need to, as citizens, be very clear about upholding and demanding that those things be upheld and respected. Right. Very much so. Super, super important. Yeah. Another reason that um, experts believe that the the murder solve rate has gone down, in the 1960s, about 50% of murders were committed by guns mm-hmm. now it's 80 yeah. percent of murders are committed by guns and gun murders are harder to solve mm-hmm. there's less forensic evidence it can happen from farther away mm-hmm. you know there's there's uh, there are a lot of reasons why it, gun murders are actually more difficult to solve than yeah. say um a stabbing there's going to be forensic evidence lots mm-hmm. more of it yeah. um you know uh, somebody is beat to death again the forensic evidence there's a lot more of it mm-hmm. uh, so the higher um gun violence gets the lower our clearance rate yes yeah. gets yeah. um the bar is much higher now also and and we did just talk about this a little bit but the expectation of proving in fact beyond a reasonable doubt that a murder was committed is harder now because of forensic particular forensics particularly dna mm-hmm. um that's the expectation now you want to see not just um you know the person was in the area at the time or they had a beef yeah. with this person or those kinds of things but you want to see hard facts like dna fingerprints all that kind of thing and and we don't always get those things yeah. That's not always a possibility. It's particularly in gun murders because they can happen from farther away, which yeah. means there's less uh, evidence there. But just the, uh-huh. the standards are higher for conviction mm-hmm. than they used to be. You know, it used to be. I mean, you think about like the Emmett Till case. And that was not a murder. But originally, it wasn't a murder case. But anyway, with with Emmett Till, the woman that that um accused this young boy simply said he did it that he you know made her feel uncomfortable and that was all it took those men to go kill him yeah and 
she was never charged even now not charged right now that came up that, this year again this year yeah now if somebody made an accusation like that and someone got killed that's more likely to happen but mm -hmm. there's they're more likely to be charged but there's a hard there's a much higher standard one person's word is not enough right what i'm trying to say yeah is that uh also because just the the populace the we are more educated mm -hmm. we know more just as as private citizens about forensics mm -hmm. and what we expect mm -hmm. um another reason is racism yeah you know clearance rates for black victims um has gone down fairly significantly uh, a, a white murder victim and a black murder victim, the white murder victim is much more likely to get justice than the black murder victim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that does bear out in our statistics. And I don't care if you think that's true or not, it is. Oh, I mean, yeah, well, um, we've been a broken record on this, but I look no further than the Gabby Petito case. You right. know, during the time that Gabby Petito was missing and Brian Laundrie was also missing and that whole mm -hmm. saga played out, in yeah. the fall of 2021, there were so many other missing persons, uh, and, and particularly people of color, that received no press, no interest, no right. anything. There were the Moab murders that happened at that time. Now, those women were white, but they were, uh, they were gay, and that also mm -hmm. uh, seems to receive less, uh, you know, press. There right. was uh, the missing geologist in Arizona. There was another missing... Uh, Chinese girl out on the desert in California and so many mm -hmm. others that, uh, you know, that we tried to pick up and give as much press to as we could because they got absolutely nothing while everyone was glued to Gabby Petito and mm -hmm. frankly still are, you know, yeah. every time the Petito case is mentioned, people still come out of the woodwork for it, but where mm -hmm. are they? We see that in our own numbers. If we oh, cover yeah. something related to Gabby Petito or Brian Laundrie, that episode gets more watches or listens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and part of it also is that because of the racist behavior that has come out of the police departments, um, Black Americans are less likely to cooperate with police. LGBT Americans are less likely to cooperate with police for yeah. basically their own safety and protection, which means that those cases actually do get a lower clearance rate because the police have less to go on. Yeah. And I'm not blaming those communities for that at all, because it's very much justified fear and suspicion and distrust that has been built on by police behavior. Yeah. But we do see that, that that's another reason why the murder clearance rate is not as good. Mm -hmm. As it used to be, you know, technology also is helpful and it's hurtful you know right yeah so you know it technology helps people commit crime yeah. also helps police solve it you know but depending on the situation and the budget and the training in a police force sometimes they are very much outsmarted by technology yeah we, we we see that here in Idaho, 
And you'll notice that a lot of the cases that we are covering here in the U.S. right now um, that well, are here in Idaho right now that are struggling, they've had to go to the FBI for help mm -hmm. with the technological side of things. Oh, yeah. Because that the money isn't there. The training isn't there within the, our little tiny police department. Yeah, they yeah. don't even have the resources. And so that I... It, definitely here for us in Idaho and probably other rural states, we see that as being a hindrance too. Oh yeah, for sure. So those are some of the reasons why the murder clearance rate is where it's at. Yeah. Um, just, I think it's interesting. You know, you, you would think over time that we would get better at solving murder. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, those really old stats, we just can't trust them. They don't really mean anything. Yeah. Because at that time, people were just writing stuff down on paper without needing any Thing to back that or prove it yeah and many 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 people went to jail for things they did not do right and and making the comparison doesn't really help us but just looking just point blank at that stat that mm -hmm. the murder clearance rate is a little under 50 percent should be sobering enough I mean, it is i find it really sobering Oh, me but too. we know that it's that true. also I mean, how says many cases to criminals covered that oh god never so many go anywhere but that also says to criminals that if you commit a murder in this country, you have a 50% chance of getting away with it just because. Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, you throw in the missing persons cases where it's likely that the victim is dead and that it was a murder. But if, if we never even get past the mm -hmm. this person is missing. Yeah. You know, there's a whole other demographic of crime victims there that I think mm -hmm. get kind of missed. Yeah. You know, oh, you think definitely. about like Dylan Rounds that we definitely. covered, who's from our area. He's missing out of Southern Utah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, that case has gone on a really, you know, many, many months now and is starting to feel colder and colder by the day. And, yeah. you know, there is some evidence to believe that Dylan was in fact murdered, but they can't prove it. So he's not even a part of that statistic yet, you know, missing yeah. persons, I think is a, is a whole like nebulous part of crime stats that we really cannot harness because we cannot even prove what happened to the person. Right. You know, so really is that mm -hmm. statistic even correct that a murder, our murder solve rate is around 50%. It's probably lower because of mm -hmm missing persons whose bodies have never been yep. found. I also wonder if it's slower because of the amount of suicides, suicides, right. that uh, are not a suicide at all, but are written off as a suicide right. when an actual crime has been committed. Right. And unfortunately that's we, we've seen a frightening mm -hmm. amount of that as well. Well, and that when you get into, um, you know, what the crime statistics are, particularly with, uh, Native Americans and with, you know, indigenous, indigenous, um, uh, reservations, like mm -hmm. that's a whole other, we'll have to do a whole show on just that because it's separate from this. Yeah. Uh, and there's a whole, that, that issue there of things mm -hmm. that never even get determined to be right. a murder. I will never stop saying the name Rebecca Plenty Wounds, who was murdered on a reservation here in Idaho, not very far from where we live. She, mm -hmm. her family found her body dismembered, mm -hmm. uh, 
her death has never even been classified as a murder. Nope. So you get into all of this, like the terminology. Mm-hmm. What is something classified as? Because that is very important when it comes to what category does it fit into in crime stats. Yeah. You know, her death is not even counted as a murder. No. Because somehow your body being found dismembered doesn't qualify you as being murdered. Yeah. Well, or Ellen Greenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Ellen Greenberg. And that case has come up here again in 2022. Mm -hmm. Ellen died several years ago. Uh, She was stabbed, I believe, 22 times, mostly in the back of her neck and her back. In the back of her head. Back of her head. And her death was ruled a suicide. And her parents have been fighting the justice system for years. And finally this year Mm -hmm. forced them to reclassify her death as a homicide and start uh, looking at it a different way. Because if the ME says this is the, how it, the, you know, that this is the uh, cause of death, that is what the police have to base their investigation on. Right. So if the ME says it's a suicide, the case is closed. They don't right. get to just keep investigating it. No. That means it's done. And in Ellen Greenberg's case, the uh, or the uh, ME said that this was these were self-inflicted wounds. Her family has proved repeatedly through multiple experts that there is no possible way Ellen could have done these things to herself. Uh, and reasonably looking at this case, there's no possible way Ellen could have done these things to herself. Right. But it has taken them years right. and hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a new look at this case. Right. It's insanity. But right. we've seen that a lot in a lot of families who they don't have those resources. They don't right. have the wherewithal. And they also are so swallowed up by life and grief that they can't even fight the system. Right. And so that happens. And that also skews the numbers. Right. And also right. lets murderers go free. Yes, it does. It does. But that's why, you know, all of these stats, we have to consider mm-hmm. the plus or minus margin of error on these because... How many cases are there like Rebecca Plenty Wounds and Ellen Greenberg? I mean, oh. many, many, mm-hmm. many. We've we've uncovered many just on our little podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. So those are all things to keep in mind. But let's talk a little bit about, um, first I want to talk about some population facts because I think this is important to understand a little bit of who, how, what is the population makeup of the United States when it comes to um race because it's it it matters when it comes to what the stats are so in the 2020 census the non-hispanic white population in the u.s fell below 60 percent uh the non-hispanic white population is on a downturn that it may by the next census it is possible that white will not be the majority of uh, U.S. citizens. Mm -hmm. Uh, That partially is because until COVID-19, our death rate was down, but so was our birth rate. So we're seeing there people are living longer, but at the same time, we're not, our birth rate isn't, we're not replenishing ourselves like we used to. Mm -hmm. And then COVID-19 happened and we had our death rate jumped because way more people died than would normally die in a year. 
because of the um, pandemic. Uh-huh. So things are changing quite a bit when it comes to what is the population makeup of the U.S. Yeah. So let's see. I'm going to tell you what our what our composition is as of the 2020 census. We were slightly we were at 59.72 percent white non-Hispanic. 18.61% Hispanic, 12.5% Black non-Hispanic. Those two numbers are going to become really important in a minute. Mm-hmm. So we have 18% Hispanic, 12% Black. Be aware of that. Asian uh, non-Hispanic is 5.88. People of two or more races is 2.29%. And American Indian, Alaska Native is 0.74%. Okay. One thing that we find in the criminal justice system is that all of the groups that are not white, all of the groups of color are, well, except Asians, I think, are overrepresented in our prisons and overrepresented in crime in general. Mm -hmm. So let's just give some some basic facts in 2020. Uh, In 2020, more than 5.6 million Americans were in prison, jail, or under probation or parole. This is actually a decrease of 13% from 2019. Uh, The total prison population decreased 25% between 2009 and 2020. And a lot of that is due to the decriminalization of marijuana. Uh Um, Arrests per 100,000 people in 2020 had their largest yearly decline in 35 years. But that's a false number. If you don't know, Um, lots of police departments during the pandemic changed their policies and some states even changed their laws. Idaho did, Mm -hmm. um, about who can be arrested to Mm -hmm. try to have fewer people in jails, to try to reduce exposure to police officers. Idaho stopped arresting people for misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. Now, if you get a misdemeanor in, in, um, Idaho, you get a ticket and a court date. Yeah. You are not arrested for a misdemeanor, not even domestic violence or child abuse. Yeah. Which is really scary. Mm -hmm. So although that looks like a big decline, it's really a false decline that came about because of the pandemic and lots of other um, agencies did the same thing. They didn't necessarily change their laws like Idaho did, but Mm -hmm. they had a policy of it Mm -hmm. was just like, you know, kind of here it was called a catch and release program, which I think is gross as hell Mm -hmm. to refer to human beings like that. Yeah. Um, but that's what they did is they would, you know, if they caught somebody doing something or were, something was reported, if it wasn't a felony, they didn't arrest them. And then, yeah. so those stats have changed, have, you know, look like there's a huge decline. Yeah. Uh, violent crime rose 5.6% between 2019 and 2020, while property cr- crime decreased 7.8%. Again, think about the pandemic. Property crime decreased because we were locked down or lots yeah. of people were, we weren't, but uh, violent crime did increase. People were home with their families more. We saw yeah. more domestic violence. We saw more child abuse and just in general, more um, violent crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number of police officers has fallen per capita 5.9% between 2009, which w- was when it was at its peak, to 2020. So we actually have fewer police officers in general. Mm-hmm. 
uh, firearm deaths increased 43% from 2010 to 2020. Yeah. Now accounting for 1.3% of all deaths in 2020. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's where the stats get scary. Yeah. Now the, the pop, the prison population decrease is interesting because that, that, that's a across the nation statistic and it is not true in all States. Right. It is not true in the Northwest, Montana, North Dakota, Iowa, Wyoming, South Dakota, and Idaho, we all increased Uh our prison population, as did Arizona, Kansas, Arkansas, and West Virginia. But you can see, you start comparing states that um, have legalized recreational marijuana, and these stats, and the states that are still having an increase in their prison population are the states that have not legalized recreational marijuana. Yep. So these are mostly um, simple drug charges mm-hmm. that are not happening at the rate that they used to. Yep. Um, in 2020, the proportion of the prison population that was black or Hispanic decreased from 58% to 55%, while the proportion of the nation's black or Hispanic population rose from 28 to 31%. Mm-hmm. But remember that they only make up 18% and 12% of the U.S. population, and yet Black and Hispanic people make up even now 55% of the prison population. Very heavily overrepresented. Mm-hmm. And whites are underrepresented. It should, it should track with what our population stats breakdown is. So if about 12% of the population is black, then about 12% of the prison population should be black. So it should be somewhere in there. Same yeah. with the Hispanic population. U.S., uh, you know, whites, we're at just under just under 60%. Well, that's how many of white, you know, it, it should stay about the same, right? Yeah. It doesn't. And some people use that to say that that's because blacks and Hispanics are more violent. And that is not true. Blacks and Hispanics yeah. are more likely to be arrested charged and convicted than whites are yeah we all know that to be true i mean Mm -hmm. if you want to argue with me about that please save your breath (laughs) (laughs) really i'll make you sorry you you won't like it (laughs) please save your breath (laughs) well i mean come on um you know of course so the you know burglaries decreased during the pandemic well yeah for a lot of reasons we were home people were (laughs) home businesses were closed also um stimulus checks and unemployment helped with that as well people were a little less poor Mm -hmm. because um property crimes are usually crimes committed more are committed more by people in poverty than not because they are literally just survival crimes in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. not all but you know uh, let's see. So we did, we have reduced the number of police officers slightly. And that, whenever you get into the stats about police agencies, this is very non-helpful information, yeah. really, because there is such a huge difference between, say, 
the police department here in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and the police department in New York City. Yeah. You know, um, the budgets, the education required, the number of officers, all of it is so vastly different Mm -hmm. that I don't think that those kind of statistics are very helpful to us unless they are broken down into rural, small city, you know, rural county, rural state police versus highly populated states. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it just, it doesn't help because mm-hmm. there's such a vast difference in resources yeah. between those two places. And yes, there's a vast difference in population, but, you know, we were just talking last week, I think about Clark County, Idaho, which is a very rural um, agricultural county, their sheriff, a deputy and a um, dispatcher all quit. And the sheriff said that he had had enough trying desperately to to adequately police his county with zero money and Mm -hmm. very small personnel. And he just couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And we see that in Idaho all the time. And he took a job as a deputy. Yeah, he did he in another took county. He was a deputy in another county and said he would make significantly more money as a deputy in this other county yeah. versus the sheriff in the county he was in. Yeah. That's yeah. insanity. So rural police departments, vastly understaffed, vastly underfunded. And then you look at, you know, New York City or L.A. or Chicago, mm-hmm. and then you start seeing like really bloated police departments. Yeah that spend an ungodly amount of money and have all of the military gear you can possibly imagine and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You cannot compare those kinds of departments to one another because they're just not the same thing at all. Not at all. Well, and these police commissioners that are, you know, like second only to mayors with uh, power in their cities and things that are, uh, you know, can be a cause of crime, unfortunately. And With these millions and, and, million, and hundreds of millions of dollars type budgets. budgets and, and yeah. Yeah. It's, we need much better reporting when it comes to those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And if you go look at the city that you live in or the county or the state, you can get some of those stats. Um, how accurate and honest are they? That's a good question because mm-hmm. that is always a question. All of this, you have to consider that there is some dishonesty in all of this report certainly yeah uh let's see the use of force data is very limited and delayed we don't get a lot of it um only 41 percent of federal state and local and tribal law enforcement agencies even reported their use of force data to the fbi in 2021 which all, which represents only 54% of officers nationwide. So mm-hmm. can we possibly know what those numbers are? No. At this point, that the, the answer is no. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Firearm deaths. This is a huge one. We know it, but to hear the statistics is terrifying. Uh, firearm deaths increased 43% from 2010 to 2020. It now accounts for 1.3% of all deaths in this country. And we are at almost 400 million people in this country. 1.3% of all the deaths in the U.S. are caused by firearm deaths. Yeah. 54% are reported as suicides. Yeah. Now, again, we get into reporting. 
and there's an issue here and there's also an, an issue of the way that a case is closed you know if it genuinely is a suicide or if it is a murder those numbers i think have a lot of play there's a lot yeah. of leeway there because of how things are misreported here where we live uh suicide is heavily underreported and that has been studied one of my sociology professors in college actually has done a bunch of study on that suicide is heavily underreported here and if it's guns it's going to be an accident while cleaning a gun yep if it's a single car accident that mm -hmm. is a you know that's reported as a car accident when it was pretty clearly an intent intentional mm -hmm. act so there's there's a lot of question around things like that and it comes the culture in every community in every state comes into play there like people would much rather hear because of the religious affiliations here would much rather see someone reported as an accident and i think that may yeah. be true across the board really and that there is some actual like intentional action to mm -hmm. you know fall to write on a death certificate that this is an accidental death when oh absolutely it's out of respect for the family yeah there was a case here many years ago where a home exploded in the night exploded yes. and uh a married couple and their young child were killed and it was immediately written off as an uh, an accident that uh their you know maybe their uh, gas natural leader. gas yeah system failed or something just written off they were buried very quickly and that it was just that mm -hmm. um but the the wife her family didn't believe that they didn't feel like the fireball in the sky could have possibly been caused by what uh, the uh, cause of death was being called and they disclosed that there had been a fair amount of domestic violence in this home and really really forced the issue and at the time the police had said out of respect for the families literally this is what we're doing you know it, it's just it was just an accident well as it turned out, it wasn't. Mm. It was a double murder suicide. And that was finally determined after the case was actually investigated because of her family's pushing for it, the bodies being exhumed and bullet holes being found and, you know, an actual investigation into what happened. But they were very quick and fast to write it off because um, uh, partly the police had said it was because of the... Uh, out of respect for the families uh, to not solve their crimes, uh, but also because of the uh, prominence of some of the families in the area that they didn't want to cause pain and embarrassment to them. Yeah. And we've never fully covered this case because we actually are friends with these families and, and haven't yeah. ever really wanted to bring those things to the forefront either, actually. Right. Uh, however, that's not our job. That's the police's job to do mm -hmm. their job mm -hmm. but uh that's always been one that really amazed me that mm -hmm. uh that that happened and that then after they actually investigated that they so freely admitted that well we just did it this way out of respect for the families yeah yeah how, how many other cases does that happen to yeah across this country that then we never really know the truth of anything mm -hmm. a lot of questions mm -hmm.
let me, uh, I want to just give you a little bit of a breakdown of who is currently in prison and what they are in prison for, because yeah. this does, this is why I gave you the, the, the statistics. Um, white people are about 60% of the population. Hispanics are 18%. Blacks are 12%. Asians were 5%. So let's talk a little bit about this. So who is currently in prison? So 33% of prisoners right now in prison in the U.S., well, or in 2020, uh, were Black. 33%, even though they're only 12% of the population. 32% of prisoners are white, even though they're about 60% of the population. Uh, 22% of Hispanics make up the prison population, even though there's only about 18% of the population is Hispanic. And then all other races make up 14%. So, um, black prisoners that make that that have been convicted of murder is are about 16%. Um, white prisoners that were convicted of murder is about 10%. And 13% of Hispanic prisoners that committed are, are committed murder. Uh-huh. Were, and then about 15% were all other races. Uh-huh. Um, let's get to some of the ones that might surprise you, but shouldn't. Uh, 17% of, uh, prisoners in prison right now committed rape who are white. Now we are taught regularly, or people say that black men commit rape. Uh, no, it's white. (laughs) Hispanic men make up about 16% and 14% are all other races, Uh but there are way more white people in prison for rape than anybody else yeah um robbery robbery crimes um 19 percent of black prisoners committed a robbery crime you have to remember that that's a poverty crime uh about 6.7 percent of white prisoners committed robbery big difference in socioeconomic status right yeah Robbery in uh, the Hispanic population, 12% of Hispanic prisoners committed robbery. Um, you got to think about like what socio- socioeconomically, mm-hmm. property crimes are the same. Generally, they're, um, they are um, poverty crimes. 12% of black prisoners were committed property crimes. 20% of white prisoners committed property crimes. 10% of Hispanic pr- prisoners committed property crimes and 18% of um, all other races committed property crimes. Uh, drug crimes. Uh-huh. 17% of white prisoners committed drug crimes. 12% of black prisoners, 12% of Hispanic, and 16% of other races. So. This, this is very interesting and it kind of takes a little while to think about it and process it, but I, this, this will be. It definitely challenges stereotypes. It challenges stereotypes a lot. Yeah. And I think that's important, but we also have to remember how accurate are these convictions? Right. And how many white people 
were accused of something like that yeah get charged and convicted yeah there's a lot of questions but there's there's it is important to look at those numbers those numbers really matter because they racism plays into those things and there are a lot of misconceptions that you know black men are the most violent well even just with who's in prison that is not true mm-hmm. it's white and white white people should always be just statistically there should always be more white people in prison for every single crime mm-hmm. because we are white people are twice the population mm-hmm. anyway not twice the population, but we're 60, it's 60, 40, basically white people versus everybody else. So there should be more white people in prison for all of those crimes because there are more white people. Mm -hmm. So when you start seeing those variances, you do have to really question like how much does racism come into play with these things? Right. And socioeconomic status. Yes. Because they both do. Yeah. In uh, respect for the study of generational poverty, and like you said, uh, poverty mm-hmm. crimes, we do see more of those crimes committed by races that have less socioeconomic opportunity. And right. Well, drug crimes are the same way. Oh, you know, yeah. Very much. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the burglary, property crimes, and drugs, those are poverty crimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to leave it there because we could literally go on for hours. There's so much information. But I felt like it was important for us to have this conversation kind of do a big overview and then share with you in the show notes, all of our links where this information came from so that you can go and take a look at it. What I did is I've used some sites that break it down. That's a little more palatable for the general populace because reading statistics is hard and I studied it in college and I am not good at it. So, you know, these are not the actual crime stats because if you want to go look at them, go ahead and you your mind will absolutely spin for hours so these are websites who break things down so it's a little easier to understand but it's Mm -hmm. all in the show notes go take a look go see what your state is doing yeah uh but it's important we need to understand what's going on with crime is it getting better is it getting worse and why Mm -hmm. why yeah well this is our monday episode our last monday of season three Yes. We will be back on Tuesday and Wednesday with new episodes. And we'll be back Wednesday night for case updates, our live stream at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then following case updates, we will also uh, have the True Crime uh, Cold Read Party for those of you who are members um, on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So yep, we have a lot coming up this week. We also have one brand new Patreon out. And by the yes. end of this week, we'll have a second one. Yes, we will. So there's lots to come. So don't forget also, to like, subscribe, and share. Don't miss Wednesday's episode this week. I promise you will enjoy it immensely. We're going to go out with a bang and a laugh. So mm-hmm. that's the way we want to end this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know it. We are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. Take care. Take care.